listening to Nerds on Film with Brian Moriarty, Sarah Ashley, Sean Moriarty, and Roxy Noberry. It is quite hot tonight in the Nerd Cave. We're sweating. I'm schwitzing. I'm schwitzing so hard. I know. I'm, I'm sorry that I'm schwitzing next to We you. have to yeah, talk about schwitzing. weather from, because this is like the funniest... This is the funniest thing I've seen online in a long time, to be totally honest. I just, I love the design of the website. Yeah. I just like that you're right? looking into like this, this frame. Who knew you could crochet a website? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. have cracker in my teeth. Folks, we won't say anymore. Just that you need to go to weatherfrom.com. W-E-A-T-H-E-R-F-R-O-M.com. That's all you need to do. It's mm. worth it. I guarantee you, you will be... It is side-splittingly funny. Yeah. Is, you will seriously. you will schwitz because of the laughter alone. Mm. Hang on, I got a crack in my teeth. <laughs> it's like Boca. Without the insufferable I mean Feinberg. <laughs> Who was born to sit Schiller. <laughs> All right, guys. I spoiled myself this weekend. What did you do? Oh, yeah. I saw two movies in the theaters. <gasps> oh, I know. I know. One that is I went and on Friday I saw Million Ways to Die in the West. Nice. And definitely worth your dollars. Really? Yeah, it was very funny. It was very, very funny. Even if you don't get to see it in the theater, it's worth, you know, VOD, whatever. Okay. It's it's very, very funny. Is it like a two-hour episode of Family Guy? It is not like a two-hour episode of Family Guy because if it was, I would not be saying it's worth your dollars. Because that's (laughs) kind of how I felt Ted was. So it does a little, it does less of the cutaway things than Ted does. Um, It's still very Seth MacFarlane. But he does the cool thing with um, like rom-coms that so like I was kind of noticing the dynamic that Seth MacFarlane likes to do is um, the dynamic between the dude and the girl seems a little bit more honest. Although yes, the guy's the funny one and the girl's laughing at his jokes, but you can tell that she's genuinely laughing yeah. as opposed to like in typical rom coms where it's like chuckle, chuckle, but now I'm going to say something poignant that keeps the conversation moving forward. Mm. This one felt, it feels more real and it's definitely about a person who is just really does not belong in the situation that he's in. So. <laughs> It's very cool. And then on Saturday night, I saw Maleficent. <gasps> and? Yeah. Verdict? Uh, yeah. Oh, really? No. Angelina Jolie was great. Okay. Well, she we all was knew that great. was going to happen. The yeah. special effects were good. Awesome. Very good. Okay. Don't expect much acting out of everybody else. Mm. Okay. And even Even Elle Fanning? It, I it was just it was it was okay. Yeah. The uh, I don't want to ruin everything too much or, or yeah. affect other people's opinions. So if you don't want to hear it, la 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 la. But what I will say is, um, the the acting felt really flat with the other characters, yeah. and the the plot of the the plot itself is very fairy tale like in the sense that there's that there is very much one plot and not a whole heck of a lot of meat to it. Mm-hmm. So that was that was I felt like it was a wasted opportunity. Interesting. Um that while Maleficent definitely had a lot of character and Angelo Angelina Jolie is a fucking beast in this movie. Dude. She's so Literally. good. Dude. Yeah, yes. But she <laughs> she's it's really really amazing. Um I heard that her the acting. actor who played King Stefan, Charlto Copley. Uh-huh. I've heard opinions that he was miscast. I yes. Would you absolutely concur? His face, he his face looks like store brand Christian Bale. Really, yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting comparison. Yeah, it, it, but like really store brand and not yeah. not like Safeway, but like Lucky. <laughs> I think that he was kind of like just a second choice and I, they couldn't afford Christian Maybe. Bale. I don't know. There was one point where you actually heard him talk as an adult and you were just – I his his voice was so high-pitched and not it, – It's not what you would anticipate was, from, it, from the king. Absolutely yes. not. And it was like accosting to my ears at first. I was like, whoa, what wow. is happening? You know, not every king – has to have some deep commanding voice. I'm sure there are plenty of kings who talk mostly like this. Think about King Philip. King Philip from Spain. I'm the king I am. I'm the king I am. King, king. Think about seriously. But to, like, let's make a real historical reference. Uh, king Philip from Spain. He talked like this. He had. He had. But 
that you would think it's funny, but he had a lisp. And he, 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 instead of being humiliated, he changed the language. He made it like, okay, everyone talk with lisp now. The king decrees it. And that is why Castilian has the lisp. Wow. And if you want to hear the best. Dead serious. If you want to hear the best fake Castilian Spanish accent, Hank Azaria and America's Sweetheart. Oh my god, It is the best. The (laughs) best. (laughs) This is bullshit. This is bullshit. It is nothing. It is not smart. It is not smart. smart. Seriously, I got a complaint. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking funny. (laughs) Wow. Okay, yeah, I've heard a lot of... People say that Maleficent, yeah, it was kind of rushed in some certain points, yeah. and there's a lot of plot holes mm-hmm. that you're just kind of like, why? Yeah. Um, which is too bad. But being an Angelina movie, Angelina herself, she can is carry great. the film. She is great, and that's the problem: is that you really expect so much out of everybody else, and they couldn't do it. Mm. So maybe that was the problem. I don't know. Yeah. I I did see it very late. I'll admit, I. Fell asleep through a good chunk of the movie. No kidding. Not a good chunk, but like a, a part in the middle. So it really was not that commanding. <sighs> so in fairness, really you wasn't. saw two and a half movies. Yeah, right, Sarah. Oh, one and a half no, movies. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I saw two and three quarters of a movie. There you go. Fair okay. And oh, and there was something about the prince that like, especially in that last scene when I just saw his mm. dumb fucking face on the camera, I just wanted to punch him and I don't know why. <laughs> no. was, did he have creeper so, eyes? Was no, he, he didn't creepy? have creeper eyes. He just looked like... In real life, I bet that kid is a shithead. Did you have Steve Buscemi? <laughs> so your blurb for like Rotten Tomatoes would be, I hated Maleficent because of that prince's dumb fucking face. <laughs> have you guys seen those online articles of people photoshopping Steve Buscemi's eyes onto Disney princesses? Oh my princesses? god, it's the best thing ever. That is my new favorite internet phenomenon. It's fucking awesome. I, that is, it's, it's just like Ariel. So and well, like... and, and apparently they have one, another one where it's just um, a bunch of female celebrities yeah. and like... Like Miley Cyrus. And Kate Middleton. <laughs> And Madonna, and the Madonna one looks. The Madonna one is terrifying. It's terrifying, but it oddly looks like it fits. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what's happening. It's so fucked up. Everything you know is a lie. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm to... Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. I'm Roxy Noberry. And I, I have returned. <gasps> I am Eric Brickmont. Yay, the Brickmont Doctor, himself. thank you for being here this evening. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Dr. Admiral. Yes. Um, Dr. Admiral, shark aficionado. <laughs> Indeed. The I, Reef. I, the I'm reef. sorry I kind of interrupted you on the intro. I just felt like that was such a funny note to end on. Two nerds on Steve Buscemi's it's, eyes. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was intended to be, it's always intended to be kind of that awkward leading. Like, so. Totally. Yeah. That note. Uh, um, y'all suck. Let's move on. Um, you're noticing that, of course, our co-host, Sean, is uh, not here. And the reason why is because uh, the dude is, well, let's just say it. He's getting engaged right now. So, yes. Yeah, so, Shanzi is elsewhere, but that's okay. He'll come back. Getting his romance on. Sean's <laughs> a hard act to follow, though. He is. When, he, know, when you talk really. about, I mean, he, there is nothing that he won't yeah. go for when yeah. it comes yeah. to the gag. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, I mentioned last week how I was, like, fascinated by watching how his brain just, like, don't. unfolded. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that it, yeah, okay, dirty jokes aside, mm-hmm. the, the thing is, is that Sean is ridiculously witty. Yeah. And so he comes up with these things so fast, and they're always, like, on point, and his delivery is amazing. He'd be a great stand-up comedian. I'm very convinced that he actually possesses some form of of mental time travel. Like, he's able to go forward into the conversation, listen to it, come back to his body, and then respond. I must share a story before we move forward. Oh, Um, yeah. Back in high school, Sean, no surprise, was... Equally as much of a smart ass as he is now. Um, but he had a teacher uh, who we called Mr. Labo, <clears throat> Mr. Labo Zeta. And uh, he had a saying whenever someone spoke out of line in his classes, he would call them crude, rude, crass, and vulgar. In that order. So Sean, of course, makes an off color joke. I don't remember what it was. And then Labo says, Sean, crude, rude, crass, and vulgar, to his immediate response. And if I knew what any of those words meant, I might actually be intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he was like, everyone's like, oh, no, he didn't. He talked back. So he's like, oh, no, he didn't. Go outside. <gasps> so like, and then apparently Labo like ripped him a new asshole to his face oh. outside the class. 
That's the only time I've ever heard of Sean actually getting in trouble in high school. Sean's believe very, it or not. Yeah. Very Ferris Bueller. Yeah, he I gets get, away with a lot. Yeah. Oh, we idolize. We, in fact, when we were in the film club, uh, we watched <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That was one of our film nice. club viewings. There you nice. go. So there you have it. Speaking of film club, I think today's topic is going to be one where a lot of film nerds are going to going to respond in an interesting fashion. It'll definitely spark some discussion. Sure. For sure. I hope it sparks some discussion. Mm-hmm. Shit's quiet out there. <laughs> right? <laughs> All quiet on the nerdy front. <laughs> well, then let's talk about our topic. The topic is what we consider game changers, right? Movies mm-hmm. that in some way shook things up and pushed the film industry forward or also pushed society forward right to a certain extent yeah shook it up sure yeah made commentary but put put things on the forefront made it a topic of discussion whether it was just a subject or a technical feat or something along those lines because movies and culture are so inexplicably tied together sure Mm. and significant does not necessarily mean a positive significance some of the films we'll talk about have a very negatively significant yeah. role mm. in our culture or in but also oddly enough positive at the same time too so it's kind of that weird yeah like i don't know about you guys but i remember after jurassic park came out that the dinosaur rampage that was happening was just it was heartbreaking <laughs> dinosaurs and, were in okay and we shouldn't i mean cities were destroyed guys <laughs> right and we should have seen this coming. We had Godzilla had been out for how many years at this I point? I know, right? but we didn't no listen. No excuse. We didn't know we any did better. We did not listen. Now we have anti-cloning legislation, so it's getting okay. Yeah. Never again. Yeah. No more cloning. Good. No more, no more cloning of extinct dinosaur cells that I, I somehow like, can I, be I, miraculously extracted from frog from DNA. fossilized amber. Frog I, DNA. Oh, fuck With it. frog DNA. I, I like this which of course of all the things you're going to use. Of course, yes. The one species that can change sex at will. Yes, that's the one you want to. That's the one you want to put it so they can procreate, even if you're trying to control their. I like this meme that I found on Tumblr where it says uh, in the credits there's this uh, title called Dinosaur Handler, and it's for this guy, and like there's an actual guy who was credited as the dinosaur like puppet handler or whatever, but it just says like Dinosaur Handler, and then the person who like uh, quoted it said, "You had one job, Jeff. One job. (laughs) (laughs) He couldn't fucking do it." Couldn't handle those dinosaurs. Hell no. Well, in all fairness, you know, the fences were supposed to stay electrified. I'm just saying. Sure. This is true. Nature always finds a way, though, guys. Come on. Yeah, it does. Anyway. So does Jeff Goldblum for that matter. Yes, he does. He's saying fucking Laura, Wayne Knight. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Fucking Wayne Knight. Newman. <laughs> Wayne Newman. 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 Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You didn't say the magic word. Uh-uh. Oh, my God. So... Where do we want to start with this? Um, because we, we could go back to literally turn of the century. We can talk about, we can even go as early, we can go to that, we can go to like the 1920s. Where do we want to begin with these game changers? Could I mention this list that I found on this Absolutely. Site? Okay, well. No. Okay. You know what, Sarah? You know what? <laughs> I'm the new bitch in town. Oh, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Stand down! Eric, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, let's, let's, dude, dude. There's a bitch off about to start here. There's a good friend in the middle combat. of this. Dude. <laughs> Trial by combat! Trial by combat! So you Sarah two versus Roxy. Out. Eric and I, are gonna, there's a nice little froyo joint around the corner. We're going to go get some dessert. Yeah. Be back in about an hour. Okay. We're going to hit up the pink berry, Just guys. make sure yeah. you clean okay. it up. You're going to miss all the bikini wrestling. Sarah and I, we're going to do this half naked. Right, Sarah? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, yes. exactly. and if you bring have the to do frozen along, yogurt right now, just we could throw it in the middle there. In fact, I would say let's get some milk. Let's get some milk. I've shakes got a better idea. Just, Brian, you know, Brian, why do we have to drink them? Why can't we just, you know, Brian, go, utilize go them. get the frozen yogurt, <laughs> and I'll I'll lock the door. And oh god, yeah. okay, we'll just have to claw. All right. Well, the site is called TopTens.net, and the list is called the top ten movies that changed the world, and they include Super Size Me, which is Moreland Spurlock's documentary about fast food industry, Rosetta, which is a film from Jean-Pierre and Luc Dardenne, which was released in 1999, which won the Palme d'Or at Cannes Film Festival. And it was about a, um, oh, it says the film's portrayal of the character's struggle was so realistic that moving that it was able to inspire a new law in Belgium that prohibited employers from paying teenage workers anything less than the minimum wage. 
Um, and then 2001 A Space Odyssey had everything to do with influencing the, you know, man on the moon. A film called Harlan County, USA, which had something to do with, uh, it says the film won the Academy Award for Best Documentary in 1976, and its success helped the miners in Harlan County, as well as other parts of the country, gain the public awareness they needed to secure safer working conditions. And then the film JFK. Or as I call it, JFK. JFK. Oliver Stone's portrayal of the assassination. And then, Which was really, actually, pretty poorly done. True I that. Have to say, but it raised the consciousness of the, ma- the mass media as far as the investigation is concerned, because it says, um, as a result, the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act of 1992 was signed into law, and the Assassination Records Review Board was formed. The board collected all the material and historical records related to the assassination in order to make it available to the public. Yes, if only Stone had had that available when he made the film, he could have gotten it a little more historical. Yeah, yeah but... sure. And if anything, that there's the fact that they just addressed it. I think that was the first major movie to truly, really, it wasn't the first major one because there were other ones that had referred to it, but the mm. first one to to address the assassination in detail, mm-hmm. I think, makes it significant. But I want to see a reboot. I want to see a reboot <laughs> of JFK. That'd be cool. And I think this one matters the most though because, like, with. Unlike the other three presidents who were assassinated, they didn't die immediately. You know, right. Garfield and McKinley died a week or something. I think Garfield died like a month after he was shot. Yeah. Lincoln died a couple days. JFK was... Well, there's uh, also McKinley. Don't forget McKinley. I didn't said McKinley someone already. someone die oh, in the did. bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Which president well, died, in the, died in their bathroom? Well, not, no, not that's, died. That's, uh, yeah. Taft got stuck in the bathtub. Uh, it's actually a myth. But... <laughs> that's um, this is the first assassination where the president was pretty much dead on arrival, unfortunately. Mm. We just had to wait for a coroner to confirm it. And documented, unfortunately. You know, we see it happening. And yeah, it's, well, you know, half his skull was blown off. So that, it's kind of so, hard to know that. Well, what yeah. they were saying was that, unfortunately, Oliver Stone played fast and loose with the facts of yeah. the case. And Which it dishonored Kennedy's saying. legacy. So he received yeah. countless death threats. And the president of the MPAA even wrote an article comparing the film to Nazi war propaganda. Well, and there's and, and that can be true. But at the same time, when you have something that is a bit of a mystery, when you look at other things like... Uh, well, okay, maybe not so much of a mystery, but just other movies that do reference things that are of a historical nature, you still generate interest in those things. I mm. mean, if you look at what Da Vinci Code did for people getting interested in Da Vinci, sure, um, that like yeah. completely blew up. So yeah. it, even if you if exactly. you're at, if you're adding something, even if it's historical or just some kind of random conspiracy theory or whatever, you're still adding it back to the conscious psyche of the culture mm. and in fairness stone did redeem himself because he did a really fantastic 10-part series that ran on hbo called oliver stone's uh the Un- untold history of america mm. and even though it was actually told before you know nothing about this was terribly new it was really well put together and well presented over this 10-part series so Fair enough. he he made up for it later mm-hmm. but still still yeah yeah well it's interesting, Sarah, that you bring that up about how certain films can raise the awareness of certain, um, you know, subjects. Topics. Subjects, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because there's a film, uh, The Inconvenient Truth. Yes. With which was Al Gore's film about global warming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People hadn't given it credence up until then, and right. then this film really just came out of nowhere yeah. and just really well, yeah, brought up public awareness. And same thing, like you said earlier, with Super Size Me. Right. Mm. Super th- with, of course, big food. Right. But also, I think to to the point with Inconvenient Truth, it inspired other films right it, for b- both circumstances mm. Super Size Me also inspired King Corn mm-hmm. which talks about again and about Food Inc Food Inc, Inc. Inc. Exactly. yeah that's a good one uh, Inconvenient Truth also inspired well there was a there was always a rebuttal film there's like in, an Inconvenient Movie which, <laughs> is, which was the rebuttal to his claims not that they're climate deniers but just the way that he presented the data mm. um, but also one that came out just last year Greedy Lying Bastards which mm. talks about the people who were basically trying to to perpetuate the climate denial argument in the first place, where yeah. they're coming from, who's they're getting their backing, all that kind of stuff. Right. So. Mm. And I think also if you want to talk about historically significant films that were done mm. like way back in the day, talk about the triumph of the will and birth of the birth of a nation. So let's yeah. talk about the controversial ones. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so first of all, triumph of the will. If you want a 
crash course in how dangerous propaganda can be yeah. on a society. You That's watch it. this movie. Bing, bing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what it really did is, is it set off the, the Nazi propaganda film industry, which is what carried the German people throughout the war, even as, you know, most of Germany was being destroyed yeah. and, and continued to maintain this frightening level of devotion to the Nazi regime, even as all of Germany was collapsing around it. Uh, that's a situation where a movie led to a nation, you know, where movies could lead to a nation refusing to even surrender, even though yeah. so many lives would have been saved if, if Germany had turned on its leadership and given up earlier. But uh, it, it's frightening. And I've seen the movie. I've, I've seen it in full because I'm a big World War II buff and I've always wanted to kind of understand the the psychosis behind what leads people to to do what they do mm-hmm. and when you watch it it's very disturbing and it's disturbing in the subtlest ways like you don't even realize how disturbing it is until after it's finished mm-hmm. all this grandiose kind of triumphant music and you realize you know in the end it's it's trying to build up this sense of loyalty within you it and if you champ- didn't yeah, yeah it was and championing if, an ideology it was and if you did not have the understanding that we have today right. if you if you were an alien like right and this was broadcast off into space which unfortunately it has which is mm. awful that when <laughs> when you really think about it when aliens do finally get our broadcast they're going to get a bunch of shit from the nazis because that's that's some they of the first, first steps that made it into yeah. space you think of that scene with Lilu yeah. dallas in the fifth element when she's <laughs> learning about the world and she's going through the and alphabet she starts crying she yeah, yeah. About war. aliens are going to do oh. that aliens are going to be so pissed off for the first Sorry, you know aliens. few centuries or for few few decades but, um <laughs> I guess my point is that when you when you realize just how um, how scary it is to fall into that trap, mm-hmm. you know, if you didn't have any of that understanding of what actually happened, you, you would see that film and go like, wow, this is like really ins- inspirational. But when you understand the, the true message behind it, yeah, it scares the living shit out of you. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing, right? Propaganda is a tool. We use it to this day. Yeah. I mean, every single president who's been elected has used propaganda but there's a positive and a negative side to it right what we're talking about is such a a level of cognitive dissidence that you end up you end up making it the majority of a country support an agenda that just is diabolical well and we even had propaganda that was supporting japanese internment and in sure in the States, absolutely so. yeah we had our own exactly yeah. and it's and it's funny because if you go back and you watch a lot of those World War II propaganda films, which is actually, it's very fascinating for people if you've got the time to do mm-hmm. it. But it's, you know, a lot of those, like the cartoon ones were done by Disney and Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's kind mm-hmm. of really There's interesting There's a band's to see that. cartoon, Bugs Bunny Nips the Nips. And it's about him fighting the Japanese army. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And it f- plays in every racial stereotype of the Japanese yeah. Uh, it's it's very very sad actually. You can see some of those at the Walt Disney Museum in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can. Yeah, the Walt Disney Museum, museum. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And there's one. There was a private snafu, which was one. Um, it was a series, and it's it's part propaganda, but it's also part raunchy comedy. And I think it was done by Warner Brothers, and it's actually pretty damn funny in a lot of regards. Hmm. Some of it's like wholly offensive, but then there's other parts that are just like, wow, this is. So much of a product of the time. <laughs> well, think yeah. about it. When you're when you're trying to dehumanize the the quote unquote enemy, right? And you're trying to make it easier in the yeah. in the consciousness and minds of people that it's okay to go and kill other people, right? Mm-hmm. Movies ended up becoming instantly this really great tool. Yep. The Nazis used to do this other thing where they would go and they would film, you know, uh, border towns between Poland and, and Germany, and it was anti-Polish propaganda is what it was. And they, they you know, took the poorest and the sickest and the, the, the most deprived of any resources and filmed them and treated them like animals and portrayed them as such and portrayed them torturing and, and terrorizing Germans on the other side of the border, which, of course, this was all, you know, staged. None right. of this was real. Sure. Um, another frightening one they did was, uh, you know, Jews that were being brought into internment camps and they, they would have these videos of all these happy Jews and they would and they would take Jewish people and they would treat them really well for a couple of weeks and they would give them all these great, you know, accommodations and, and playgrounds for the kids and stuff and they would film all of this and then the sick bastards took them to the real concentration camps where a lot of them never came back from. Yeah. And it's like, you think about the 
the the torture that those folks went yeah. through thinking oh all right well sure we're thrown in prison but at least they're they're giving us this and then only to yeah, yeah. steal it away from them and to portray that through the whole uh, it's disgusting you know what book i would love to see made into a movie hmm. uh farewell to manzanar hmm. do you guys remember that at all do you guys ever no. have to read it so i had to read it when i was in eighth grade and it's about a little, little girl japanese girl who has to be perfectly clear japanese american born in america american yeah. citizen That's like a- many of the Japanese who were interned. That's a very mm-hmm. good distinction, Brian. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, n- had no affiliation whatsoever with the Empire of Japan. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's her t- telling the story of how the government forced her to go into these camps, how her father was interrogated uh, incessantly because they believed that he was involved with the government wow. um, of Japan. And um, very sad. You also It also documents his alcoholism and how he mm-hmm. would make, uh, he would ferment his own liquor because they weren't allowed to have liquor sure. um it, you look at the two situations and yes while the japanese americans were technically treated better in that we weren't trying to kill them it's still just a horrendous both are horrendous examples of denying human beings their basic rights well and and you you bring up a good point which just takes us right back on topic it was is that Movies do have a really, they have a really powerful way of bringing up subjects that aren't necessarily talked about. And the thing is, is honestly, off the top of your head, are you, can you really think of a movie, and you know, listeners can prove me wrong, but off the top of my head, I can't think of a movie about Japanese internment. Yeah. Because it's just not really a topic that like yeah. comes up that often. I mean, the one that I can think of is Snow Falling on Cedars no, with Ethan Hawke. Thank you. Yeah, There's it's based the, off yeah. a book. Um, and it was—it's really, honestly, the only one I can think of, Sarah. Yeah, That's and a good point. You know, in my day job, I've worked with people who were in internment camps. Mm. You know, uh, amazing stories that yeah. you hear. You know, yeah, uh, being forced to sell everything they own. One, oh my God, this woman uh, that I was working with, she found out years later she wasn't even on the list. Wow, she could have technically escaped, and no one would have ever known she was missing because she was not on the list of internees who were Jeez. there. How crazy is that? So, if you look at certain historical events and how they were portrayed on film seeing how how film is a huge popular medium that explores a lot of these events and brings a lot of popular attention and consciousness to mm-hmm. what ha- happened um what what kind of films do we think of would probably have the biggest impact well i think uh, you know <clears throat> not to be on a whole World War II trip here, but I mean, we the elephant in the room is Schindler's List, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Just the, uh, not just telling the story, but also the imagery and the way that the story was told to do everything in black and white. Mm. Um, it heralds back to those very propaganda films that, we're, that we've been talking about, right? It sets the mood and tone as being grim and dismal as, as the actual situation was. Um, but then they also use color you know, in very striking ways, yeah, you know, in the beginning of the film with the red balloon as it's as it's falling down the street and with the little girl's blood eventually, you know, sure. all of that is all very, um, very gripping. Mm. Uh, I remember watching Schindler's List way too young to it's, probably... Uh, I honestly feel like it's never too young to watch that movie. Yes, mm. but at the same time, you have to comprehend what you're actually seeing. Well, and that's... that goes along with good parenting and talking to your kids about yeah. stuff actually happened. And exactly. yeah, and I was exposed to all that very very yeah. early as a child, so yeah. it was yeah. something that I seeked out cuz I wanted to watch and I remember I actually Me rented too. it from the library. It was um it was, you know, on VHS, remember Ooh. VHS tapes. Yeah. And oh. I just remember I was probably 8 years old I think when I saw it and thinking that's, pretty uh, young, that's very young. Yeah. Well, the thing well, I've always been like you know, but obsessed other, with history, so again, I, I you, seeked it all out. You did say that you felt that you were too young, though. I kind of do, because I felt yeah. like it it was traumatizing in a way that is good for me, okay. if that makes sense, if that can be a, a thing. Because you were able to comprehend that you felt empathy yeah. for yeah. the Oh, it was, it was terrible, and I think that it's, you families. know, yes, a, a part of it's my upbringing is that I come from a very open-minded family, and they've... We've always, you know, been very sympathetic to anyone who's yeah. in, in pain and suffering. But seeing that as a child was really um, oh, eye-opening, that very much yeah. so, and it mm-hmm. stuck with me for a very, very long time. Yeah, and, and you know, I agree with you. Um, when I saw, it, I was about twelve when I saw Schindler's List, 
and it even having more of a sense of what had actually gone on yeah it's still the emotional impact wouldn't have hit me i think another good example is with amistad you know sure the yeah. first movie i think when, other than like roots to to show like the true brutalities that were Mm-hmm. given to, to African slaves. Much more accurate depiction than what you had right. seen previously. Both Spielberg movies too, right? Yeah. And I remember watching Amistad around the same time and then watching it again in high school and being having two totally different emotional reactions. In high school, I was moved, I was crying because like when you see the image of the slaves being put on weights and then just the weights being thrown into the ocean, it is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely horrifying. And I think that's to Spielberg's credit is that he wants to show as very much of an, with while keeping some semblance of censorship, he still gives you as truthful of an eye as he can give you uh, without actually being there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think about another movie too, which is Birth of a Nation. To, yeah. To... I was going to I was going to say something about that where I think Birth of a Nation is an interesting enigma of a film. Yeah. Because here you have D.W. Griffith's 1915 three-hour epic, okay? It's unlike anything that had been done before during that time, right? So in a way, this film was groundbreaking. Debatable. Well, uh, Napoleon okay. um, had come out prior to that. And sure. Napoleon, it's a French film, and I've, I've talked about it on the podcast before, but it's it's an all-day event watching this whole damn thing. Yeah, it's, it's like an eight-hour movie. It's an eight-hour movie. Yeah. And... Um, and that one had a lot of technological feats that I can talk about later. But okay. but this but the idea of yeah sitting through a movie for that long, mm. especially it, it, three yeah. hours is fucking long. I think I think yeah. to to Roxy's point, this was yeah. what a studio yeah. marketed studio, yeah, yeah. released movie. Yeah. Napoleon was more of an artfully done film. It was French, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so in the American cinema, exactly part of yes. things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're right. I mean, the fact it, is that it did so many things for the American uh, for Hollywood. As far as how films are made, exactly. Yes. But it focused on such a dark, horrible thing and historical piece of our nation's history. It actually helped in the reformation of the Ku Klux Klan in the twenties. Um, Gee, thanks for that. Yeah. Well, it like, didn't also help that our president at the time, Doctor Woodrow Wilson, man had a fucking PhD and he was as ignorant uh, as the days long. Mm-hmm. Uh, made. <laughs> a quote of the movie uh, and I'm probably going to butcher it but he essentially says that an interesting film and you know sadly it's all true oh when you gosh. talk about basically and the movie basically purports that that African Americans are incapable of being able to be citizens that can contribute to society and the whole idea that the clan is trying to save a, a white woman because of a, of a black man has kidnapped her is this horrendous. movie was used as a fucking recruiting tool, okay? Like, yeah. not only was it a breakthrough in American cinema, but it was a fucking tool for evil. Like, it yeah. was used for for bad. Like, oh my god, yeah. it just boggles my mind. But not, not only that, but think of the stigma and the and the uh, the double standard, right? Mm-hmm. It's in some communities, it's more acceptable for a white man and a black woman to be dating than it is for a black man and a white woman to be dating. Yeah. And it's because of films like this that push that ideology forward. And yeah. that's also why, again, later on, you see movies like Jungle Fever, where it's talking about mm. this controversy of, of a black man and a white woman having a completely consent, consensual romantic relationship, but given the tensions of where they're coming from, it's they have to hide it because he's worried about being arrested and beaten because they thinks that he's automatically the attacker in that yeah. circumstance. Or um, to take a funnier approach to it, um, guess who's coming to dinner with Sidney Poitier? Of course. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Good point. Right. So, I think there is an article out there that speaks on different films that um, spoke badly on black culture or in, uh, affected ba- black culture in a bad way. Yeah, you know, you have a lot of black exploitation films as well as films that are made by African American directors that kind of commercialize black culture. Think of like Tyler Perry movies of yeah. today. You know, I mean, they're pretty funny, they're pretty entertaining, whatever. But I wonder how much of those films really sat- satirize satirizes black culture and really kind of does not progress the cause. You know, and that and that's a, I think that's a a, 
opening a wormhole. Sure, yeah, put it into a different is. topic, and, like and one that I and one that I honestly don't even. I don't even feel qualified to comment on it. Yeah. I mean, we are sitting, in, we are a table of white people yeah. trying to talk yeah. about That's black true. people. That's true. I, yeah. I wanted to go no, and no, bring that to but the it table. Is, it yeah. is, it's absolutely, it's a great question. And I and I do think that that is a really good conversation to have. You wonder about yeah. the impact. Yeah. You really do. But to bring it up, though, I mean, I do think that it's important that Shaft, probably the the most grandiose of all the yeah, black Yeah, because he's movies. a bad mother, shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but... On AFI's 100 Years, 100 Songs list of top films from movies, it got on that list, right? The nice. Shaft theme song. Not only that, but it was nominated for a fucking Oscar, Ooh, right? Shaft! Yeah, mm-hmm. in fact, I'm, I'm not sure if it... Um, it may have actually won the Oscar <laughs> that Sweet. year for Best Song from a Movie. So, you know, it put that film on, an, on a much higher perspective, right? But I kind of want to talk about just movies that changed the film industry itself. These ones really did quite literally change the game. They're movies that changed the movie game. Yeah, buddy. Um, and, I mean, we've talked about some before in the past. Like, in the animation episode, we talked about Gritty the Dinosaur, which is the first um, uh, animated movie. Um, you know, we all know The Jazz Singer, which was the first talkie. So, like, these are some, like, the really obvious ones. Absolutely. More on the contemporary level, um, there's a great list on TheGuardian.com. Um, and it's just movies that changed Hollywood forever. And the first one on the list, Brian, you're going to love this, 1989's Batman. I have no objections. I'd just like to know why. Why did it change? Because it took the camp out of superhero movies and superhero um, media. While it was still campy, it was a much darker aspect, and it was going along the same lines as the way, like, Frank Miller and other um, comic book artists were taking comic books in a darker genre. And so it was kind of going that way to make it more um, gritty. Cool. Okay. Yeah. And in fact, actually, they to since now we're I can dive into some expertise here. Uh, it's true they brought the Joker back to his comic book roots, right? The Joker that we had seen from the nineteen sixties Batman movie was a Joker who made these really weird, you know, practical jokes basically for Batman to try to to work through. Very much in line with the nineteen fifties nineteen sixties Batman and the comic books. The original nineteen forties. Joker, made by Jerry Robinson, mm-hmm. was a murdering psychopath who just happened to dress like a clown. And this Jack Nicholson version of it, the first time you see him is when he's laughing as he's killing, yeah. you know, uh, Jack Palance's character, uh, speaks exactly to that right. psychosis of that character, yeah. you know? And I mean, and really, if it wasn't for 1989's Batman and that level of success, we would not have the entire superhero film genre that we have now yeah. that is completely exploded. We're taking more seriously. Okay. Yeah, it's true. And we wouldn't have, wouldn't be, certainly wouldn't have had the Dark Knight trilogy yeah. either. Yeah. But unfortunately, it also gave us the Rocketeer, which you, I will hey. never forgive them for. Sarah's face right now? Oh, boy. Oh! I'm just, sorry. I... You, I I don't like that movie. You stepped in it. <laughs> you stepped in it, Eric. Eric. Sarah's going to have a conniption. I know. I know. I'll, I'll go. I'll go now. I'll go now. I love The Rocketeer. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is so campy. <sighs> so utterly campy. It's like... It was also the movie like that proved... It's like Dick Tracy gone wrong, and that's okay. <laughs> I love it. I want to do like a gender-swapped Rocketeer for a cosplay one of these days do because it. I think it'd be so badass. I'd like <laughs> to see you make the, the helmet. The helmet was awesome. Well, hey, Joe Johnston made that movie, right? That also kind of set him up to do Captain America. Yeah. About, you know, a little and bit later. it was Billy Campbell before the, uh, Billy Campbell before the nose job. Yeah. And it was also Jennifer Connelly. And Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. Wow. It, it was I, really good. I, and okay. Timothy Dalton. Sarah, was, I'm sorry. You should be. That's good cast. Because you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, Blair Witch Project, 1999. Mm, duh. Definitely, obviously changed the game for horror movies. Oh, yeah. Now every better other horror. Worse. For better or for worse. Now yeah. every other horror movie is found footage. Fucking found footage. Man. Which I Oof. just saw a preview for right before A Million Ways to Die in the Old West. I was, um, we saw, I saw a preview for another found footage one that's coming up where they go into the catacombs under France. Mm. And it's um, as above, They get so murdered by below. dead Christians? <laughs> no, no. It, so it's called as Gypsy. above, so below. And I guess the concept is that they get stuck in the catacombs. So they're kind of like stuck in caves and me being claustrophobic. I had a hard time actually watching the preview. Um, but then all this demonic shit happens because apparently they're in like the portal to hell. So it's oh. very oh, fucking interesting right. though. It, it was really interesting, very scary. But anyway. You're but, saying France is hell? But like, <laughs> yeah. But you look at like VHS mm. and it, all these, you know, paranormal activity, oh, paranormal all this activity. stuff. 
have this found footage thing. Thank you, Blair Witch Project, for all of that. Well, yeah. speaking of VHS, I wanted to add another film to that list too. When you when when you're done, okay. just to get a little preview in our audience's mind. Okay, um, <laughs> 1995's Babe. Oh, uh, huge for computer effects. Huge for computer effects and and animatronics too, in the sense yeah. that before this. The way animals were depicted were either cartoons, talking cartoons, or doing the Homeward Bound thing where you just heard them yeah. in their head. They weren't moving their mouths. I, I do find it ironic, though, that the, the rise in popularity in bacon just <laughs> skyrockets <laughs> after that movie comes out. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And also, Despite the fact the pig's cute. And also, it wouldn't have allowed for Charlotte's Web to, web to have been made 10 years later. Yeah, you know? exactly. So um, it, it really... Animatronics, the CGI lower jaw movements, it, it was really, really huge. And it got like fucking seven Oscar noms that year. Jeez, so, for yeah. Babe? For Babe. For Best Performance of a Pig. <laughs> uh, James Cromwell actually was nominated Best Supporting Actor in that nice. year. Too. He go, got Best Performance of a Pig. Go back and rewatch that movie, though. You're it holds up. Good pig. Yeah. It's You're a done. good movie. He would, of course, also uh, have been played pre- previously and would play again um, Cochrane. From Star Trek. Good job. Drive. I just got to throw job, it in there. Eric. Original series and Star Trek. Look at you First getting contact. your Star Trek mentioned in there. Just got to throw it out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other one, other ones on the list here, 1998's Festin. Hmm? Um, What's that? I, I have no idea. That. I've never actually heard about this movie, but apparently what it was is that it was, it made digital video, video viable. Hmm. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Does it mention Toy Story on that list? Toy Story is on this list. Good. So right. Toy Absolutely. Story obviously definitely changed the game because it it was st- it took a huge step away from hand drawn animation mm-hmm. into CGI. Absolutely. And now that's that's pre- that's predominant. Yeah. And now it's harder to find a hand drawn yeah. one that's yeah. not straight to video. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's true. And in fact, because it was the first feature length computer generated movie, as we've right. talked about in our Pixar episode, right. which I wasn't there for. Um, it was also awarded a special Academy Award because mm-hmm. of, of the achievement of making the first feature length. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So exactly. Yeah. Um, this one says 2004 is Fahrenheit 9/11, but Brian, I know you and I would probably argue that Bowling for Columbine was yeah, probably was a more much significant. more significant. Yeah. Well, Roger and Me's really started it all. I mean, that, that that's it, but not the sense of putting Michael Moore on the map, but getting yeah. people interested yeah. in documentaries now. In right. the sense of, are you talking about when you're interweaving entertainment with? Yeah. Information. Yes, I do agree. Roger and Mia is it was kind of the the seed. But Bowling and plant. Columbine was was it was the more popular one. Absolutely, it's what it's what allowed him to be able to make Fahrenheit 9/11, which is what really and Sicko was. and Capitalism and Love Story and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, later on. So yeah, um, it did. Avatar. 2009, it fucking just said for 3D. 3D is here to stay, and here's the technology on how to really. Here's how you do it. Here's how you Uh, can do it. This is what it can be. Yeah, I think 3D needs to stay in theme parks. I'm sorry, that's it. Um, It's pretty much James Cameron saying everyone in America suck my cock (laughs) and do it for years to come. And and you know what? Uh, To a certain extent, yes, I do think that 3D is overdone because. Having every single movie, not every single movie, but having a lot of movies just come out in 3D that just don't need it. Yeah. I think that's absolutely pointless. Exactly. For the ones where you know that you're going into it for the visual right. spectacle, Fair something enough. as blown out as Avatar, Fair enough. then yeah, you yeah. might as well just do it. And that's my it. philosophy yeah. is I'll buy a movie ticket in 3D if it was shot for 3D, yeah. but I won't do anything that was converted. For right. I'm not, and, yeah. And let's look at look at computer anime movies, right? How I Train Your Dragon. I never mm. saw it in 3D. I wish I had, though, because apparently it was stunning. And mm. if any other environment is built for 3D, it's computer animation. Well, Brian, on June 13th, you'll have your chance. Yeah. Yes, I There am. you go. I'm not going to lie. The only reason I went and saw 300 Rise of an Empire because I wanted to see blood splattering in my eyeballs in 3D, and I did. And there it was great. <laughs> well, go. we know whatever floats your boat. Exactly. Um, By the way, just note to everybody, Maleficent in 3D is not worth it. No, um, it wouldn't be. I, I would say there's a couple... But it was the only time slot that we had to make it work. And Fair enough. Yeah. Fine. I'm not judging. I want to add a couple other films to that that Go for it. aren't on that list. And so, I would like to add one, too. Well, you'll get your ooh, turn, Eric. Ooh. I'm just... I'm, I'm excited because I never get to Sit add on your hands. Eager beaver. So, first of all, I mean, it goes without saying, but we need to say it. Star Wars. Yes. Right? Yep. Absolutely. And multiple movies in the Star Wars saga contributed to that. Yes. Sure. Uh, you've got, of course, the first one because of what its landmark use of visual effects and uh, and sound effects but though THX 1138 had done that beforehand 
You've also got Star Wars Episode Two, the first feature film shot entirely on digital from a major studio. Big contribution there. And also the first one to be distributed with digital projectors. Cool. Okay. But to dial back for a second, you've also got Sex, Lies, and Videotape, which was a huge contributor to the independent film market, won Palm d'Or, and launched Steven Soderbergh's career. One quick point on the Star Wars. That was a huge step in Muppet technology, too. Muppet! (laughs) Absolutely. Nice. And Jim Jim Henson's studio was very involved with... Return of the Jedi. Damn straight it was. Um, but Seriously. actually, another small one you wouldn't expect, Lost in Yonkers. Hmm. Huh. Why? First feature film um, edited using Avid Film Composer. The ah. first digitally edited feature film. There we go. Cool. Which oh. is now the standard in all post-production, yes. whether you use Final Cut or Avid or Premiere Pro. They basically set the template for how movies could be cut together and saved hours, hours, if not days and months of post time to be able to put together the film. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you're going to talk about Star Wars, um, of course you're going to make a fucking Star Trek comment. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Well, I might, but uh, Doctor before, Who. But before, I, no. If it's not Star Trek, it's Doctor Who. Come on, what no. is it? What is it? You know what? I have more than two things that I can talk about. Wait, is it the, the Egyptians made films before the? <laughs> do you do you, do you all hear this? Do you all hear the hate I, that's I, being yeah, thrown at me right now? You guys, a... you guys might need to spend some time apart. I think, Sarah, I, think, I, think we, I think we might. Uh... I think we need to go come back with some frozen yogurt yeah. and just throw it in the middle. Yep. <laughs> oh God. Oh, I hey, threw up hey, my mouth. You gave, gave us you our got, chance. That yeah, was chance. Yeah, that's, now we get to objectify you. Uh-huh. Yeah, but nope. <laughs> hope you like chest hair because I got a lot of it. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, throw some gummy bears in there too. Nobody I always said if I was an English lord, my name would be Henry Manforest the Fourth. Harry Manforest, right? Yeah. <laughs> Eric, continue. Getting. Um, okay. 2001 A Space Odyssey. I know it was on your list before, Roxy, mm-hmm. but it was significant for a, a lot of reasons. Sure. Um, particularly, though, the miniatures. Mm. Right? Mm. So nice. the small-scale modeling that was done in 1968, you wouldn't have the same level of detail in later films like Star Wars or Star Trek The Motion Picture and all of its other you know, uh, incarnations. You wouldn't have that if you didn't have the time, detail, and dedication that was put into creating those those miniatures and the the effects that were shot i mean for a movie goer in 1968 you felt like you were in the vacuum of space and to actually depict the fact that sound does not travel through space through a vacuum (laughs) and star trek as well to be guilty of that holy crap that is so i mean it, it shows that they paid attention to the physics to the way things work and that that set a precedent thank you kubrick mm-hmm. yeah i mean i still think the movie needs to be absolutely rebooted and needs to be not nearly as long and as boring it needs to be more like the actual story of 2001 oh. a space odyssey remake the entire series please do you think begging. if they were to reboot it they would still use ibm no <laughs> no <Poor IBM. laughs> they'd probably invent no. a computer company yes yeah yes so actually, maybe, because IBM's now much more gone back to what it was meant to do, which is server-side technology, so that's what they're doing now. No. No? Okay. No, you're right. I just, I, I don't like IBM. It would not be Apple, because if anything, Apple would not want to make Siri the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely not, although... By God, how well would that fit? Like, yeah. that would be... I'm sorry, Dave. I don't understand. So, well, that's the funny thing. When you tell Siri to open the pod bay door, she tells you she can't do that. She's yeah. like, I'm Well, kidding. no, she doesn't. She doesn't always do that. There's, there's a couple of catered responses, but the one you're referring to is, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't do that. Are you happy now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but there's also, my favorite is when I say open the pod bay doors, she'll say, but the cat would get out. <laughs> <laughs> but, nice. I mean, the movie was incredibly striking in, in so many different ways and it really um it was one of those films that that could create tension without having explosions or something lurking in the background you were just tense because you were you were feeling the anxiety of the actual characters yeah. and it was all done with lighting it was all done with the way that the sound was done it was all very um I important just appreciate the impact that it had on a nation as far as inspiring people to be get interested in outer space 
in the space race. I mean, no? we're talking about the, the, 1968, so yeah, we're talking the, the about interest, just before. The interest we were was there. The audience yeah. was yeah. definitely there. Is it a really good final kick in the ass to be like, dude, look how epic it is? That, yeah. yeah, then then maybe, definitely. But It was the hope of what space yeah. travel could become, right? Yeah. Because mm. we were seeing, you know, Apollo 8 had gone and orbited around the moon in 1968, right on Christmas time. Yeah. And so the film had come out shortly before that. And people were seeing it as a reality now. They're actually astronauts, human beings, you know, orbiting the moon for the first time. Maybe we could go and have a hotel there. You know, yeah. maybe we could go and, and land these large um, testicle-shaped spaceships <laughs> on the something, moon. Something less We could teabag the moon. We could teabag <laughs> the moon tea with our technology. You could teabag the man in the moon, actually, <laughs> if you landed it in the right spot. Wait, didn't they do that in uh, in a trip to the moon? I back really, in... like... <laughs> 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 teabag. They oh did something God, else altogether. Yes. Oh, sorry. They stuck a, d- a dick in his eye. That's right. <laughs> What's the I, term Eric, for that? There's a term so for that. You be happy to be on uh, Nerds on Film, so you could actually say something along the lines of, like, we could teabag the <laughs> Dick in your eye, Moon. <laughs> I can't. All everything I say on Nerds on History gets cut. Folks, out. if you want us to have a Kickstarter campaign, let's teabag the Moon. <laughs> um, we will do it. We'll, we'll 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 talk to Elon Musk and you know go over to SpaceX. And okay, we'll... <laughs> okay, okay. Just let's just talk about the logistics of this now. In order to teabag the Moon, yeah. you would have to specifically send a man. <laughs> Let's blend Eric to move. You would need a phallus that was approximately. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is Eric's no, 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 no. Wish Foundation oh, you need a guy, wish. No, you need yes. a guy who's in like a skin tight suit, but like that has a pouch just for his balls because I'm sorry, you can't have like a little thing where his balls would be exposed; they would just freeze off. Well, okay. And so like you have to unzip or like get his balls. Out no, no, and just, but that's a good point. You need no, 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 no. You wouldn't actually take them out. Gravity facts because there's less gravity you, you, on the balls. You have two options here. You, you have two options. You either design a space age material that. That can form to the shape of the scrotum, right? And then as he descends, he, he's literally teabagging through the suit. That's one option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you build a habitat, oh, you know, okay, an environment sure. where yeah. he's isolated. A where biodome, yeah, you can it's, pump it's oxygen. It's like Sandy's um, squirrel and habitat. Exactly, and our I think, biodome with yes, Polly Shore. Exactly. I think it would have to be done that way because <laughs> to properly teabag, he'd have to be fully in the nude. And then slowly right. descend to the the lunar surface, whilst drinking some Earl Grey. And and then he would have to, of course, be mic'd up because, ladies and gentlemen, the words that would 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 fall before him is 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 the eagle has landed. Yes. <laughs> but there's also, one small step for man. Have, that's one giant leap for my testicles. <laughs> Hang on. You you also have to take into account time take into account time management because the gravity on the moon is one quarter that of Earth. Exactly. So while well, normal teabagging would take four or five minutes, oh you need God. to make that whoa, at least whoa, 20 whoa, minutes. Five minutes. Is this like you're, you're like a 90-year-old trying to teabag something? He's like, <laughs> bending, crack, 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 glop. Well, so wait, are you saying you're supposed to let it steep or are you saying you're supposed to dip it? Because I'm, I'm under the understanding. You, 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 you need to find an, a rocky outcrop that gives you comfortable, uh, allow, allows yeah, for comfortable it's, it's descent. It's a deep Support. knee bend. Yeah. 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 Down you to the squat. ground to just plop. Right. You gotta yes. pop a squat in the right way. Because, yeah. you know. Yeah. One, one, one does not do the splits to teabag. No. No, 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 no Nerds no. on teabagging. <laughs> I, in fact, teabagging the moon needs to be the title of this episode <laughs> if we can do that. Folks, uh, uh. if you want to get your grandparents interested in this show, don't, <laughs> don't, don't have them listen to this Just one. don't do so, I do love my grandfather so much because for a man of 79, he it can be so filthy at times. It's nice. hilarious. It, but in, in the best way possible. He calls uh, the everyone from the Republican Party the teabaggers. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Nice. Uh, oh, Papa, I love you. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Well, so let's let's recap this, huh? Let's let's uh, let's wrap this. Movies bitch up. are important. Movies are important. Hollywood runs the world. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. Thanks, well said. Well said. <laughs> what, what it is is, I think that when it comes to when it comes to technology, movies are definitely, they're always stepping up the game and they're always challenging each other yeah. as, as craftsmen, as artists. Um, and then I will also say on the social level, movies do a really good job of giving people a voice to talk about the things that exist in our culture. Yeah. And the things that existed in our culture and things to raise awareness, to raise discussions. Um or to just 
reflect the way things people re- reflect maybe a minority and mm-hmm. bring it to a majority like lord of the rings i mean i swear to god lord of the rings and world of warcraft i'm pretty sure are the two fundamental reasons why we get to have a podcast called nerds on film and people will listen to it exactly Aww. no it's so true that's though i i honestly believe that that's true yeah, sure. So, the essence of fandom. Yeah. I want to throw out an honorable mention, though, um, from earlier, because even though Schindler's List is the one that was the big game changer, I think yeah. Hotel Rwanda still needs oh to have... Oh, my God. It has to have an honorable mention I, in there. No, I seriously, I felt sick to my stomach with the amount of empathy that I felt after Hotel Rwanda. Like, And yeah. I, I cried for a week and yeah. was like, I'm signing all the internet petitions <laughs> right now. If you think about it, though, everything that happened it. in Rwanda and with the, with the rebellion yeah. in the Congo that happened after that, which also nobody even bothers to pay attention to because nobody the, care. the nobody millions cares. who died in that no one even cares because everyone nobody is focusing cares. on Rwanda and there's a whole other side of it too of, of yeah. massacre and genocide. What about, what about Leonardo DiCaprio's Blood Diamond? Blood Diamond yeah. felt like yeah. gave some notice, no? But yeah, you know, I think Hotel Rwanda did a lot for there's that a, story. There's so much There's so much that happens yeah. in Africa that people just aren't talking about. They're trying yeah. to, though. They're trying, trying to. to. I mean, with the Nigerian girls and everything, I'm so well, glad the least that people are talking about the, it. The next know? film that I really want to see uh, should bring should bring to light the plight of, of women in Africa and the way that uh, the AIDS has rampaged throughout all of Africa. We hear about it all the time, yeah. right? We hear about a lot of, you know, charities that are designed for, but I don't think any of us really truly understand it. Well, it's... And a movie would help to, to highlight I, Yeah, that. absolutely, to the point where now, mm-hmm. because of just evolution, you know, there's a group of... Um, of prostitutes in Africa who are actually just now straight up immune to it. Mm. They just cannot. Resistant, I think. They, they, wow. they contracted the virus, but they don't have they, symptoms. But, okay. Wow. Yeah. And and so, um, but but yeah, this is a huge topic. I remember um, when GW was in office and he issued a global gag rule to whereas um, any nonprofit that was receiving funding from the government um, or any support from the government was not allowed to give contraception. Um, to anybody in Africa. Wow. And not allowed to teach it or anything like that. Wow. And it's it, the audacity. Wow. The yeah. audacity well, of that was just... Speaking on oh, AIDS and the, you know, the, the social consciousness about that, in, in America, I think the one film that really spoke on it was Philadelphia. Yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah. Yep. You know, it spoke on the homophobia. It spoke on the treatment. Yeah. It made... The development of it that. It made AIDS okay to talk about. Exactly. In, in film. Yeah. Absolutely. I know. Yeah. Because you already had Rent and Angels in America... Right. ...out at, in, in theaters, that, or not theaters, well, theaters, theaters, not on movie Broadway, theaters. Yeah. yeah. But we're talking about reaching the broadest audience reaching the broadest possible. audience, absolutely. Yeah. Philadelphia totally did it. And you used Tom Hanks, who was the male version of America's sweetheart, you know? Exactly. And portraying... A gay, a gay man, man. with AIDS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, to be totally fair, I do agree that P- President Bush's policies were, were definitely not ideal. Um, but I do want to also mention that as a president, he also has sent $15 billion in aid over to AIDS in Africa and did do a lot to get treat people treated who already had HIV already yeah but i think it's i understand you're talking about prevention pre- yeah yes i understand <laughs> that, that. that's kind of it's like extremely but, short-sighted <laughs> but you can't but i think that's a good example of i don't want us to get into propaganda where all of a sudden we're yeah. looking at the negative and not looking at any of the yeah, positive fair enough. true but at the same time it's kind of like cutting an artery and giving somebody a blood transfusion at the same time it's like it, it's not helping i get it but it's important to know that he did try to there do something was, there was something else there yeah. he wasn't just trying to push a, a right-wing christian yeah. agenda on yeah. it yeah. so mm. Condoms cool. for everyone. <laughs> yes. And so, so really, the entire message of this whole podcast is wrap it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't be a fool. Wrap your tool. <laughs> Don't be a dummy. Uh, Connor Tommy. <laughs> I was like, do I want to say it? I want to say it. You gotta say that shit. You know it. Oh my Listeners. god. <laughs> Listeners. <laughs> Um, High five, Sarah. That came from us. Oh, oh my god! It is <laughs> worth mentioning, though, me. that that precum does have like a hundred times yeah, the concentration know, of sperm. Obviously, so obviously, I'm just saying, doesn't always work. I do I have know. three kids. Oh, I know a little bit about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, thank you for sharing. Uh, <laughs> let's get into feedback, shall yeah. we? Yeah. Listener feedback. 
Yeah. This one comes from a listener, Hillary, and the subject is Disney Remake Thoughts, and our episode from last week says, message, hi nerds, sorry this is going to be kind of long. I'm going to kind of go into a slightly different order than you talked about in the episode. The first thing I wanted to let people know about is the Twisted Disney Princesses. The artist is Jeff Toon 01 and he has a lot more than six you mentioned. I'm pretty sure they all have fucked up backstories. They include Vanellope, Wendy, Maid Marian, Esmeralda, Rapunzel, Tiana, Kida, Megara, Alice, Mulan, Nala, Jane, Pocahontas, Aurora, Cinderella, Jasmine, Snow White, Ariel, and Belle. They are, <gasps> yeah, Breathe. And they are all brilliant and sufficiently creepy. Agreed. And I had thought about the popularity of the villains' backstories. I wonder if it has anything to do with the popularity of Wicked, both the musical and the book. Just a bit to maybe think about. Ooh, and ooh, it, ooh, ooh, yes, ooh, ooh. I want to have a response directly to that. Okay. okay. So being that Wicked... The musical did take uh, quite some time to develop. I will say that the author, Mm -hmm. Gregory Maguire, who who did write the book Wicked, who also wrote um, Mirror, Mirror, which was the one for the... for Snow White, and then I think he did one for the stepsisters too. He did, yes. Confessions of an Ugly Stepsister. Yeah, I think that was what tipped into the twisted fairy tale, um, especially from the villain's perspective. Absolutely. Sure. And uh, Hillary continues, and I also had a note about the Maleficent cursing Aurora and how you called it petty. Thanks, Sean. (laughs) I read a post on Tumblr that did provide an explanation about the politics at this point in history from the movie. Parentheses, I don't know how factual this is since we're talking about fairies in Tumblr, but whatever. Um, As someone with a lot of prestige about them as she had it, it was an insult to not not be invited to a royal child's christening. So she gives them a chance to make it, make up for it. If Aurora's parents had apologized to Maleficent, probably wouldn't have would have given Aurora an even more awesome badass gift than the good fairies, since the gifts they gave aren't that much of a stretch for them. And I have the equivalent the and I have the equivalent of the best foreplay ever, but with musicals for you villains backstories for your uh, for you of villains backstories. There is a theater company called Star Kid, and if you ever if you have ever heard of a very Potter musical, you know who I'm talking about. They released a musical recently called Twisted: The Story of a Royal Vizier. It's Jafar's backstory done in Wicked-esque fashion, but much more explicit. They have so many Disney references and comedy; it's gold. I can't say enough good things about this musical. The description is quote unquote: Once upon a time in a magic kingdom, one misunderstood public official fights to save the city from crime, economic ruin, and invasion. <laughs> so why does he? get blamed for all the kingdom's problems. Maybe it's because he's an ugly old fart. <laughs> Twisted, the untold story of a royal vizier retells the timeless tale of Aladdin from the villain's point of view. I can't plead with you enough to go watch the musical. Go to youtube.com backslash starkidpotter. Go under playlists and find it. You won't regret it. Don't forget to be awesome, Hillary. P.S. Roxy, I disagree with you about Kristen Stewart, but I will pay you an unholy amount to make a duplicate pillows of Chris Hemsworth's pecs and Chris Evans's buns. Agreed. <laughs> I will kickstart the shit out of that. Hell yeah! <laughs> I, yeah. I have some listener feedback. Okay, cool. I listened to the episode. Oh, <laughs> yes. I wasn't here. Do say. Okay, first of all, totally agree about Kristen Stewart. Yeah. I'm just, I, you know what? And Twilight aside and Snow mm-hmm. White aside, mm-hmm. um, when she was in the uh, the Runaways. Yeah. It was very disappointing. You know what, though? Her career started off strong with Panic Room. Yeah. With Speak with Into the Wild. Those three okay. films alone okay. stand out as her strongest sure. performances in sure. her career. Yeah. Unfortunately, she's been popularized as the lip-biting, pouty shy, girl. pouty Awkward. girl in yeah. Twilight. It's it's a damn shame that yeah. her career has taken yeah. a nosedive in, in, in she credibility. So yeah. Absolutely. I think she'll do better off doing picking parts that she wants to do and not trying to market her as... Yeah. The, okay, know. yeah. So, the rest of my feedback... Uh, mostly just has to do with the first 20 minutes or so of your guys' episode. The first 10 minutes, I should say. So, uh, spoilers about X-Men, Days of Futures Past. If you haven't seen them, I'm warning you right now. Skip ahead a minute or two. Okay. Because I didn't get to say my piece on it. Uh, <laughs> well, I did mention that you gave I know, it to 10 I know, out of 10 I did, and wanted to hug it. I did say that. Uh, but also, I really do want to point out that I quite literally cried when Magneto was dying in the future scenes. I was just like, I can't handle it. Um, Because the, honestly, the relationship between Magneto and Xavier was just, it was, they nailed it. They nailed it it in first class. They nailed it again. Mm -hmm. And they just always nailed it perfectly. 
Um, yeah. That being said, Roxy, I do disagree with you. First Class was awesome. So You liked First Class? I loved First Class. Okay. I thought it, it didn't get me as excited. Yeah. Uh, because I was still really hurt from X3, mm. but I I was much more optimistic about where it could go. So yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I finally saw a movie after like three and a half no- months of not seeing a movie, and it was X-Men Days of Future Past. And that movie, because, you know, yeah. I'm giving listener feedback now too. Yeah. That movie <laughs> literally said, we are so, so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> X3, I mean... It was it was a one time thing. We didn't mean for it to be what it did. It, it yeah. didn't mean it meant anything. Nothing. It meant things, nothing to us. Things got it. Things got out of hand. I was hand. thinking about X two and X one the whole, the whole time. time. <laughs> um, wow. But really, it was like it was one of those rare exceptions where in a movie, people listened and really specifically yeah. designed the entire ending around setting things right. Yeah. If only they had done that with the original or with the uh, the prequel trilogy in Star Wars that would have been phenomenal. Mm. If only, you know, Revenge They're, of the Sith they had, had been... their chance to do their big whoopsie doodles. Yeah, We're they did. sorry. Yeah, they now. did. Well, they well, JJ Abrams is in charge, so I have much more confidence that uh, yeah. they don't it's just going to be fine. Yeah. Oh, everything's going to be all right. I have to keep telling myself it's all going to be okay. It's going to be all, <laughs> all going to be okay. Deep breaths. Um, but <laughs> I just I I really do. I just love that ending <laughs> except for the post credit scene. Oh yeah, well that's just because you don't like, like the idea of anybody building the pyramids aside okay. from the Egyptians. Look, 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 look. <laughs> Apocalypse being Egyptian, awesome. Totally love it. Him Building the pyramids pisses me the fuck off. Mm. I know. We all know. There was a moment to rewrite history here, right? To re- set yeah. the, the wrongs of the past right. And we failed. It's okay. <sighs> Don't be such a drama queen. Pusa, Eric. Pusa. <laughs> You'll be fine. It just upsets me. If anyone wants to know what Eric is talking about, you can listen to our very first episode of Nerds on History, <laughs> The Mongoose Equation. Where I and rant and rave about it for about 15 minutes. Yes, you do. Eric loves Egypt. We all know it. Yes. And pyramids. It's got a big mounds. Mounds. Those lovely mounds. Sand mounds. <laughs> uh, and folks, thank you for the feedback. Keep it coming. Of course, the way you can do that is by going to our website, nerdonomy.com, and clicking on that give us feedback option. You can also hit us up on our social media on Facebook and Twitter and our personal Twitter accounts. I'm at Brian Moriarty. I'm at Sarah Ash 16. I'm at Roxy Noberry. And I am at the Brickmont. <laughs> and do you know what else you can do if you're on Nerdonomy.com? You can click on that donate button. And if you are unable to help us out with our normal affiliates through uh, Audible and Amazon and so forth, you can hit us up and give us as little as a dollar. And it will go through our PayPal account, and you can help us continue to do what we do with our podcasting and more that we want to do videos as well. Yep, and other things, <clears throat> and other things, other which we things won't talk about that will be teased soon. Oh yeah, I'm such a tease. <laughs> Don't worry, Sorry. Tom. Tom from Australia, your um, your order for Sean's. Special seed is on its way. Oh, oh wait, dear Lord. Did I miss it up? Ep- I think I missed an episode. There was a request yes, made. Did. For Sean Seaman? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. Something to do with uh, social services. Sean basically said, because of the, the high amount of, uh, of uh, money that was given, uh, that Sean feels now obliged to offer himself yeah. to a listener. And by himself, I mean his mouth. Yes. Yeah. Oh. And he did say that he was going to focus on the balls. So mm-hmm. there's you know, there's a lot to be said there. I'm glad yeah. that one of us stepped up to the plate to do it. Well, it's about yeah. time. It's about time, truly. Sean's yeah. a team player. He is, is. a team player. Folks, he does for a lot both for teams, us already. <laughs> and folks, the moral of the story is mind the stepchildren. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yikes. Just because so. Sean's not here, Brian. Yeah. Just because Sean's not here. Why is it you guys laugh when he does it, but when I do it, it's creepy? I don't I don't understand. It's that. all in the delivery. Delivery. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. Uh, guys, until next time, stay nerdy and tune in to us next week. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. See ya. Adios. Later. And roll credits.
And now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. Open the pub bay doors! <laughs> 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 <laughs>